Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Are you a psychologist or therapist that set up in private practice because you wanted change? Maybe you were frustrated by the system and wanted to be able to respond to the needs of your clients better. Maybe you had plans to work on something that could prevent the crises you were seeing every day at work. Or maybe you felt you couldn't give your clients your best and you needed more flexibility in your life. Most of us venture into private practice because our values tell us we need to do something different. But often we end up recreating the problems of the public sector in our own therapy rooms. We see huge numbers of clients, struggle to make ends meet and feel burned out and resentful with no time to work on the big projects that could actually make a big impact on mental health. Would you like to find a way of working that frees up your creativity and allows you to give clients what they need without sacrificing your own well-being? It is possible, but you need to do more than therapy. The good news is your training has absolutely given you what you need to create innovative products and services that will change the conversation about mental health. And the Do More Than Therapy membership is a social enterprise that exists to help you use those skills to help more people live your values and avoid burnout. If that sounds good, then come on over to psychologists.drosie.co.uk forward slash the Do More Than Therapy membership and join up today. We're only open for a week and I'd love to see you in the membership. Today I'm recording a special episode of the Business of Psychology podcast where I'm going to share with you the first module of the mindset course that I've created for the Do More Than Therapy membership which incidentally is open for new members to join this week and so do check that out if you haven't already. Um, I'll give you the link to the sales page um, in the show notes Um, but if you head over to psychologists.drosie.co.uk you can find it there really easily. So today I'm going to be talking to you about knowing your mission and how that's going to help you to get through some of the toughest moments of being an entrepreneur. Because a lot of the time we don't consider ourselves entrepreneurs when we branch out into um, working online or working with people outside of the therapy room. But that's exactly what we are. I think the definition of an entrepreneur that I read in the Lean Startup is somebody who is creating something innovative in times of great uncertainty. I've probably misquoted that, but the keys there are creating and uncertainty and anything that you're doing outside of the therapy room has not been tested before. So you are an entrepreneur, whether you identify that way or not. And with entrepreneurship come a lot of uncomfortable feelings. And the only reason, the only way that you will get through those uncomfortable feelings and that they'll be worth it in the end is if you're living your values and if you really know your mission. So there's a big distinction between values and mission. They're both really important. So this module is going to focus on drilling down into what your values are and what your mission is for the project that you're working on. Then we're going to have a look at the impact that your mind can have on your mission. So we'll look at that a little bit today, but the the second lesson of the mindset course 
um, which is in the membership for the Do More Than Therapy members, is all about the impact of the mind and all the different ways that it can um, get in our our way through imposter syndrome, procrastination, all of those things that we know oh so well. Um, the third lesson, uh, which we're not going to talk about today, but that is in the course in the membership, is about getting to know your clients and really knowing who you're serving and actively listening to them, um, which is actually really hard to do when your mind is is running its own ticker tape of self-doubt. Uh, and then finally, we're going to look at how we can use the power of imposter syndrome for good, because I actually think it's quite a positive thing and it gets a bit of a bad press, but it can open up an awful lot of creativity. So those are all of the lessons um, included in the first module of the Mindset course. Today, we're just going to be looking at values and mission. I'm going to cover quite a lot today, so it could be worth getting out a notepad and a pen or using your phone notes to take a few notes, uh, because I'm going to be asking you to do a lot of self-reflection. So by the end of today's podcast, you will know at least three of the values that drive you, have a clearly defined mission statement, and be able to notice it when your mind is getting in the way of your mission. So values. I heard somebody say once that action without values is just being busy. And I wish that I was the kind of person that could remember who that person was um, so that I could give them full credit because that was really resonated with me. Because if we're not acting in line with our values, we won't find the motivation to push through the hard times. And we need to be specific about those values because if we're not specific about them and we've just got vague statements, it's really easy to get caught up with doing all of the things. There are so many things that you could be doing when you're running your own business, whether that's a therapy business or any other kind of business. There are a million different things you could do to promote it, a million different projects that you could be running, and they'd all have value. But if they're not 100% in line with your values, then you're not going to feel fulfilled by them. And that can be really, really damaging. So being specific about our values, and not just giving into these kind of vague, cliched statements that perhaps some of us have been using for a very long time. I know that I had, you know, things like, oh, I want to break the stigma of mental health. That's great. But you actually need to know why that matters. Which of your values would that be hitting? What would feel fulfilling about that for you? So in this session, we're going to ask ourselves some questions to get to the bottom of what we really value. And those values need to be about our lives, the people we care about, and about the wider community. Often we're very good at giving values that relate to the wider community, but we can really neglect to think about the people closer to home and our own lives. And that can lead to burnout. So I think it's really important that we address values holistically. Okay, so I'm going to give a bit of a definition of values. Obviously, this is different in different contexts, but this is what I find helpful. And it's based on my experience with acceptance and commitment therapy, which is the main framework that I use when I'm coaching people. So values, the reason that you bother to do hard things, values give you purpose. In my mind, values should always be something that you can be. So a good example of this was I had a client once who kept saying that her values were to have a zero carbon footprint. And I wasn't convinced that that was a particularly useful value because 
something could happen in her life that made that physically impossible. She could develop a a disability and not be able to use her bike or walk around anymore. Um, There could be something like a a pandemic that means you can't use public transport anymore, for example. Um, So that's not a value. That's a goal. That's something that you might aspire to, but it's not a value. Whereas being environmentally conscious that's a value because whatever happens come hell or high water you can try to be environmentally conscious in whatever context you find yourself and that relates to the next point which is that values are not something that you can pass or fail they're never finished so it's not like a goal that you can check off your list you're never going to be done with your values And because of that, they're really flexible and they can adapt whatever situation you find yourself in. And I've learned the hard way how important that is. So anyone that knows me personally will know that back in 2014, I was a really keen runner. I was fairly quick and I used to run long distances and I loved it. And all of my social life was caught up in running. However, in 2014, I broke my hip shortly after running a marathon and All of that, all of that striving for amazing times and all of the goals that I had with running went out the window very quickly. So I had to get back to my values. I mean, I'm not going to lie about it. I went through a long period of feeling very, very low and very, very sad before I got to that. But eventually I realized that the values that running hit for me were actually about being outdoors, being as fit and healthy as I can be, being connected to my body and being present in nature. And I could still do those things in different ways. So I found ways of hitting those values, even though all of my goals went out of the window overnight. Another thing to say about values is they're often really painful once you become aware of them. And they're painful because we really care about them. So often when you do values work, Um, in clinical settings, clients do become quite upset. And I do. Every time I evaluate my values, and I try and make myself do it on a regular basis, especially if I'm planning a new project, I tend to get a little bit upset. And that's because there'll always be areas where you're not living your values. And that's a painful thing to recognise. And if we're really, really defended, sometimes we can't see it. And sometimes that's where a coach can be really helpful or a therapist if we're feeling that we're struggling a bit more. Because often our minds don't want us to see where we're not living our values. So it actually can be really difficult to even clarify those values for ourselves. So just to be aware that when you're trying to act in pursuit of a valued life, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to be fun or that it's always going to feel good. Sometimes values work feels really difficult. So I wanted to give you some key areas where you might find your values. This is not an exhaustive list. There are loads of different areas that different people find their values. But if a client's really stuck, then I'll often bring up these core areas just to spark a bit of creativity. So health is often an important area. Family life, often important. Work, pretty much important, even if you're dealing with somebody who's retired or you yourself, you might might not need to work. What you do with your time that is not just hedonistic pleasure comes into this category for me. 
Creativity, social life, social change, a particular cause that you care really deeply about. So some examples might be, I want to be as fit and healthy as I can be. I want to be a creator. I want to be generous and compassionate in my work. I want to be fun-loving and exciting in my relationships. I want to be calm and kind as a parent. I want to be an innovator. I want to be working to make the lives of people with learning disabilities richer and fuller. And I included that last one because often there is a cause that is deep within you, something that you feel so passionate about that it's going to run through every thread of what you do in your life. And if you found that, then absolutely it should come into your values work. And I know when I was working in learning disability services, there would often be days where I was having to do something really, really hard. Um, Often I was faced with really strong negative emotions about what I was doing. But that's the one that I would remind myself of every time I was going into the difficult meeting, into the difficult service or to see the client that might have been quite challenging towards me. I just had to remind myself that this was part of my core values, was working to make the, the lives of those people richer and fuller. And it got me through some really scary situations. Today I'm going to invite you to take part in a very common ACT values clarification exercise. I don't even know where the attribution for this belongs, I've looked for it, but I think it's so commonly used in ACT that nobody can really lay claim to it. I came across it via Russ Harris who has some amazing exercises and metaphors if you're interested in ACT, so I'll give you a link for that. But I'll be honest, I don't usually use this exercise known as the tombstone because I worry that it's going to be upsetting for people because what I invite you to do is imagine your tombstone and imagine what you'd like to be written on it. And usually I'm really scared that that's going to be triggering for people. But I decided to use it today because this morning I was watching PE with Joe. Well, actually I was doing burpees to PE with Joe and he he shared a story of a little boy who sadly passed away at just 10 years old. And I cried while I was doing my burpees when I heard about it, as many others probably did. But what struck me amongst the sadness of that story was that Joe was very clear about what this 10-year-old boy stood for. During his short life, he'd made it his mission to help others live life to the full. And he even had his own catchphrase, which was, you've got to live, live, live. And I thought, wow, Wouldn't it be incredible if us adults were that clear about what we stand for in our lives? Because I think many of us who've been on this earth for much longer, we still don't know. So what I invite you to do now is to imagine that tombstone and imagine that there are three statements written on it about you and what you stand for. It might be helpful to think about it in the format of Rosie stood for kindness and compassion. I'm just going to give you a couple of seconds to think that through. Maybe pause the podcast if you need to. And I want you to notice what your mind says when you select the value and make a note of it, especially if there are any sticky thoughts that won't leave you alone. And notice any reactions in your body too. It's not unusual at all to have lots of difficult or challenging thoughts come into your mind when you start thinking about your values. 
And it's not unusual at all to start feeling anxious or uncomfortable. So try not to judge it, just notice whatever comes up for you and note it down. Now we're going to come on to talk about your mission. So the way that I conceptualise it is your values are something which should dictate the direction of your entire life. I think lots of people, including Russ Harris, John Hill and Joe Oliver, also talk about this, that your values are a bit like a compass which directs the whole of your life. And what I want you to think about is that your mission is almost like the country you've decided to visit. So it needs to be strongly linked to your values because your values have decided that that's where you should be headed. Um, but it can be a lot more specific and it can be about one particular project. So it doesn't need to incorporate every single one of your values. In fact, it would probably be impossible to do that, but it does need to spring from your values. And then following on from that, your goals are the steps you need to take to make your mission possible. So I find it really helpful to have a formula for writing a mission statement. I know not everybody does, and I don't want this to restrict you in any way, but if you're anything like me, you get a massive blank when somebody asks you what your mission is. Um, so I like to have something written out that I can just kind of insert words into. So the mission statement that I've come up with for you that you can use, and I'll put this in the show notes for anybody that wants to literally copy the text, is I want to help X insert group of people that you want to help to do X. I will use my X skills to do this. And then the second part is about you. And this is the bit that most people I know in our industry often leave off. So I want to create a life that allows me to live my values. The things I value most in life are X, Y and Z. My business will help me to have more of these in my life by X, Y and Z. So just to make that a bit clear for you, one example that I came up with for my um, clinical side of my work is I want to help solo parents to parent confidently through hard times in life. I will use my therapy, teaching and writing skills to do this. I want to help psychologists and therapists who want to have a big impact but feel stuck and don't know how to get their projects off the ground. I will use my writing, marketing and coaching skills to do this. I want to create a life that allows me to live my values. The things I value most in life are health, being compassionate and present with my family and creating social change. My business will help me to have more of these in my life by giving me financial freedom, flexibility in my hours and the ability to reach people who find it hard to access NHS services. So I'm really spelling it out for myself here and that allows me to double check that what I'm doing, this project that I'm working on, actually is linked to my values because it is so easy to get really far down the track and then realise that it's not. And I've been totally guilty of that in my business journey. I've set up several projects which have ended up being really, really rigid and inflexible. And because of the stage that I'm at in my life, in my family life, I need flexibility. So if I had done this, then I would have seen that this project didn't fit with my values. Um, but I didn't. But hopefully you guys all will going forward. So you don't need to make the same mistakes that I've made. 
so I want you to, just as before, when we were looking at what came into your mind and what happened in your body when you were thinking about your values, I really want you to take a note of what comes up in your mind and body as you're drilling down into that mission statement. Sometimes our minds can really struggle when we start talking values and mission and core concepts of ACT become really, really relevant here. So some that are going to form the basis of the rest of this course that will be in the membership are things like fusion with self-concept, which basically means holding on really tightly to an identity that holds us back. So it could be something like, I'm a loser or a failure that are kind of obviously limiting, but there are others too, like I'm an academic or I'm a clinician. These are all roles and titles that if we hold too tightly can stop us from seeing opportunities. In ACT, we talk about fusion when we react to our thoughts as though they're reality. So we're going to go into that in a lot more depth in the next session. But Russ Harris uses a really nice exercise to demonstrate this. So when we're fused with our thoughts, it's like they're written on a sheet of paper and we're holding that paper in front of our faces. We can't see around them. We can't do anything other than look at them. We can't engage with the people we care about or do the tasks we care about. Through mindfulness, we aim to get some distance from our thoughts to become defused from them. So even though they're still there, we can keep the piece of paper in our pocket and get on with living life. So if you imagine that, you know, you've got an identity or a role as, say, a clinician, if you're completely fused with it, you can't see anything in life other than your clinical work. Whereas if you can fold up that piece of paper and put it in your pocket, then you might see that there's a research opportunity that would be really great for you and feel more liberated to take that opportunity. So that's just one example of fusion with self-concept. Another way that fusion can come up and be a bit difficult for us when we start thinking about values and mission is when we fuse with rules for living. And these are all the shoulds. Any of you that work in cognitive behavioural therapy will know this extremely well. But those things that tell us that we should know our place, we should do this, we should do that. You know, there are cultural ones, you know, good girls don't cause problems. Um, There are specific ones that we've learned in the course of our lives. Um, But it's really valuable to be aware from them and to hold them lightly. Another concept in ACT, which is really relevant here, is that often we're really intolerant of discomfort. We can often think that if it feels bad, it must be bad. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, oh yeah, I didn't go to the job interview because it just didn't feel right? And sometimes I'm totally with them that going with your gut is really important. But if we do that mindlessly, then sometimes it can just be that we were having a strong emotional reaction to something that's actually key to our values. So again, it's about being mindfully aware of our discomfort and accepting it if it's in line with our values, which can be really difficult to do, even though it's quite difficult to say. Another ACT concept, which I think can be really um, useful here, is avoidance, but on less of a conscious level. So ACT doesn't specifically talk about unconscious processes, but it does talk about 
having your attention so focused on particular areas that you can't see what else is going on around you. And I think of that as unconscious avoidance. So those are the times when you're so focused on beating yourself up or your imposter syndrome or your self-critic that you never even consider opportunities on your doorstep. And a great example of this uh, from very recent history, we're talking this week, is that I never even considered asking my cousin, who is a journalist and writes for Women's Health, um, to feature me and my clinical work or my hypnobirthing work or any of the other things I do that are health related, of which there are many. Uh, I've never even considered it until somebody pointed it out to me. And that is because I would find that really anxiety provoking. And unconsciously, I've been avoiding that. So whether you want to call it an unconscious process or whether you want to call it kind of attention not being directed in that area, however you conceptualise it, um, it's certainly something that can be key to us when we're trying to live our, our values and complete our mission. It can come up in difficulty setting goals that you can commit to. So ACT is all about taking valued action. But if you haven't tied your goals to your values and your mission, then you're not going to find the motivation to follow through when they get difficult. And I know I've mentioned this several times already in this podcast, um, but it is really, really key that instead of beating yourself up if you're procrastinating or finding it hard to do something, you look for where the incongruence is because there will be something there that's not quite right. And finally, due to all of the things we've talked about above, a core act um, process which is really central to learn if you're determined to follow your values, live a valued life and complete your mission is to learn to stay present and engaged so that you can learn from all of the difficult stuff that happens <laughs> that teaches you. So I've talked before on the podcast about several of my failures um, in the past and things I've launched that have completely flopped and have felt absolutely awful. Um, but I could only learn from those when I stayed present and engaged. And I've done both. There have been things that I know that I didn't learn from as I could have at the time because I wasn't able to stay present and engaged. And there have been others which have really helped me to grow and that I'm very grateful for having that failure experience for because... I know that I'm doing better things now than I would have done um, if I hadn't lived through that experience, felt it, engaged with it and got what I could out of it. So that's some of the ways that ACT can help us deal with it when our minds get in the way of our values and our mission. So through all of that, you may have noticed some difficult things. I hope that when you did, you took a moment to pause the podcast and make a note of them. But I don't want to leave you in a difficult place. So there's a couple of ACT techniques which I regularly use with myself and my clients when we're left with residual difficult feelings after values and mindset work. So firstly, I invite you to do some soothing breathing. I'm not going to dictate your rhythm because everybody finds a different rhythm soothing and I think it's quite stressful when somebody counts it out. But just take a few breaths deep into the diaphragm, try and slow everything down and really focus on what that breath feels like coming in and out of the body. Notice where it enters the body and where it leaves. 
and notice all of the muscles that contribute to that action. And now just scan your body from the top of your scalp down to the bottom of your toes and just notice where you find any feelings of discomfort, any emotional responses, any tension, any spots of relaxation too. Just notice what's there in the body without judgment. Now if you find something that's a bit sticky, doesn't feel too pleasant, just want you to hone in, focus in on that feeling for a second and direct your breath into it and imagine yourself softening up and making room for it. And just take a few breaths that way. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I hope that you feel a lot more clear now on your values and your mission. And I hope that you'll come into the membership and join me to explore more about how your mind impacts on your mission and exactly what you can do about it. All the practical strategies for dealing with each of those common mindset difficulties that we've talked about today. Are you a psychologist or therapist that set up in private practice because you wanted change? Maybe you were frustrated by the system and wanted to be able to respond to the needs of your clients better. Maybe you had plans to work on something that could prevent the crises you were seeing every day at work. Or maybe you felt you couldn't give your clients your best and you needed more flexibility in your life. Most of us venture into private practice because our values tell us we need to do something different. But often we end up recreating the problems of the public sector in our own therapy rooms. We see huge numbers of clients, struggle to make ends meet and feel burned out and resentful with no time to work on the big projects that could actually make a big impact on mental health. Would you like to find a way of working that frees up your creativity and allows you to give clients what they need without sacrificing your own well-being? It is possible but you need to do more than therapy. The good news is your training has absolutely given you what you need to create innovative products and services that will change the conversation about mental health. And the Do More Than Therapy membership is a social... enterprise that exists to help you use those skills, to help more people live your values and avoid burnout. If that sounds good, then come on over to psychologist.drosie.co.uk forward slash the Do More Than Therapy membership and join up today. We're only open for a week and I'd love to see you in the membership. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.